always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Well, we have a full show today. Uh, always excited for this time of year. It's my second spring now hosting the show, or at least getting ready for spring. So we're getting into a busy time of year, and we will get back to your calls. But yeah, so my friend Stacia Kelly with the Georgia Forestry Commission, uh, my thanks to her. I'm always able to just call her and be like, Hey, I have an idea for the show. I want to work through it with you. You know, do you have any experts? Do you have any guests that could help me with that? And she did just that. She connected uh, me with Troy Clymer, Associate Chief of Forest Management with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Miss Ashley. How are you doing this so, morning? I'm excited to have folks uh, listen to our conversation, Troy. You know, I was telling you, like, this is not an interview. It just was something that I was thinking throughout the week. Uh, I think back on March 3rd was like World Wildlife Day. And that seems yes, like such a big international effort, something beyond our comprehension. Why should we even pay attention? It's just a cute little hashtag on social media. But I wanted to kind of localize that for us and for our listeners to the show. I uh, want to really think about the bigger picture, you know, in the environment. So I think you're just the guy to do that when we're thinking about forest land in Georgia. Um, so first of all, Troy, what constitutes a forest? Like if I'm off Boulevard in East Atlanta, versus, you know, the hills of the North Georgia mountains, and I'm seeing trees, you know, as far as the eye could see. What do we call a forest here in our state? Well, I'd say a lot of times when we're looking at the forest, uh, we, we're looking at anything that's got trees growing in it, uh, looking at anything from a newly new forest that's, you know, less than a year old and up to, you know, trees that are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And, and Georgia's a good place for our forest. We have 24 million acres of forest land throughout the state. Holy so cow. Two -thirds, yeah, so two-thirds of our landscape is in forest. From a forester perspective, you know, we look at it and you see, you know, you got your rural forest uh, with your large expanses like you were talking about. And then you also get into your local communities and uh, cities. And, and we have uh, our community forest, or our urban forest. Uh, when we're looking at that uh, throughout the entire state and the impact that those trees make each day from stabilizing our soil to purifying our air and uh, keeping our water clean, you know, the difference that, that can make throughout our state is, is, is huge. When folks in the cities where there's more asphalt, there's more sidewalks, there's more buildings, when they're thinking about, you know, contributing to the overall environment, what good does planting just a tree or two here or there do for them and for the community? The biggest part for planting is just making sure you have a plan and managing your the timber resource, whether you've got a, a half acre or you've got 100 acres. So working with a consultant forester or if you're in the city working with an arborist, those two uh, are key, key ideas to help you accomplish what you're looking to accomplish on your land. And so those trees, like I said, they, they help stabilize uh, our soil as it, when it rains or when we have storm surges. Uh, they're helping to uh, mitigate the, the storm flow through throughout our landscape. They're also catching that water and slowing it down so it doesn't cause massive erosion. It's purifying our air. Uh, trees, they take in carbon dioxide and they turn it into oxygen. Uh, they also take that carbon and store it in the tree itself as mm -hmm. well as into the root systems and into the ground. So, so it has really good uh, benefits there. Uh, the forest also provides good habitat for our wildlife uh, species. So just planting 
a tree here and there, it does make a difference because if you're planting a tree and your neighbor's planting a tree and that yeah. neighbor's planting a tree, all that comes together and, and you get one good community uh, of a forest in in those urban areas. You know, and I'm afraid we might start getting some calls, you know, as folks are spending more time outdoors now as the weather improves, Troy, that, you know, oh, my gosh, I've got coyotes or even an occasional black bear here or there. Deer are always a problem that gardeners are just always going to bang their head against the wall trying to figure out how to outsmart the deer and the squirrels. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think with more coyote spottings and maybe even bears occasionally, some of that is due to construction and deforestation. Would you agree? Yes, I would say throughout time, especially up in Atlanta, as the world continues to expand and grow and, and people move out in more uh, rural areas, uh, you, you'll see that impact and you'll see more wildlife. And we don't want to see that expanse too great, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can expect to see some wildlife uh, as you move further out. And, and uh, you know, as we're in the woods every day, we enjoy seeing seeing yeah. that wildlife and uh, seeing the beauty of, of nature work. And, you know, as foresters, you know, we want to see see trees managed properly. We want to continue to grow and be able to harvest and thin and and uh, manage our timber in a in a sustainable, proper way. So that way that we're taking into account of soil, the water, the wildlife, and the timber resource and recreational opportunities uh, that that our forest provides. Growing more than 331 million seedlings annually, that's a number you gave me, that's enough to plant over half a million acres. So is that being done? What is that number exactly? That is occurring, uh, that, that, and that's in, that's in our state. Wow. So we're growing 48% more timber each year than what we're harvesting. So, so we're very sustainable, and, and being 48% more, it, it does show that there's opportunities for more markets for timber. And, uh, and for a lot of viewers that are listening, I would, I would say that you know, they, they have an impact in that uh, every day, and, and they have it through the choices that they're making from what they're purchasing. So when they go to the store and they buy a box of cereal, mm-hmm. Uh, when they go on that dot com and they and they order whatever little gadget they get, and three four days later it shows up in a nice box on their on the front porch. You know all that that's all an impact that that consumer's making each day. And so whether they realize it or not, through those choices, they give the opportunity of a landowner. It encourages that landowner to, uh, and it and it enables that landowner to be able to properly manage their property. And it encourages them to also, when they do cut trees, to plant. Another part of that is for every tree that's cut in Georgia, we're planting anywhere from three to five back to take its place. So so those are pretty key things that probably most people who don't even own uh, an acre of, of forest land don't realize that impact that they're making through that choice. And that's another part of it in Georgia that's pretty unique is is 90% of the property throughout Georgia is owned by private landowners. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the most out of any state in in our nation. I did a celebrity gardener segment for a lot of the year last year where I tried to bring in, you know, somewhat notable, uh, famous folks and how gardening and forestry and all that impacts them. I got to tell you, one of the ones that I learned so much from was having Chuck Lavelle, who's right there kind of in middle Georgia uh, in your area, a conservationist and a tree farmer. And yeah, not to mention like keyboardist for the Rolling Stones and the Almond Brothers and so many other groups. But uh, have you had a chance to cross paths with him and kind of get to know a little bit about his efforts down there? Yes, ma'am, I have. Chuck's a great supporter for forestry. Uh, he travels all over the nation sharing, sharing the message of forestry, being able to 
go out on his property and, and meet with him and, and actually uh, walk his land wow. and seeing the great job that he's doing, just like many other landowners throughout the state are doing to manage their land, you know, and, and the impact that, that guys like him and all landowners are making every day to, to help our timber resource, uh, which affects so many things from our wildlife to our water resource, uh, to our soil and to our air. So, I mean, it's it's critical the impact that uh, that all our landowners are are making each day through the management of their properties and their timber resource and and uh, you know just being a part of it and uh, you know I'm just a small part of it and being able to to have the relationships that, that we have and and being able to talk with you and and share our stories and how that impact is throughout the state of Georgia that's very rewarding in itself and. And uh, just knowing that these landowners are making an impact every day and that I can have a small part in that, in that is, uh, is is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad, you know, I've got you on, too, kind of getting the word out and educating folks a little bit. Um, not to put you on the spot, but did you know what kind of trees is, is Chuck growing there on the property? He grows a lot of loblolly pine. Okay. Uh, he also has some longleaf pine. And then he's got a corridor down on the river, so he's got some nice hardwoods. Uh, throughout his property as well. So he, he's got a little bit of everything on, on his track okay. of land. Uh, just a very unique property. Troy, I, I think I've got it right here. I think I found the portion of the interview with Chuck Lavelle where he talks about how he and his wife, Rose Lane, came to the decision of what to do with their family land. Row cropping and cattle farming, those kind of things, seem to be way too much day-to-day for me if I wanted to follow my musical career. And we started looking into all kinds of options. We looked into peach trees, pecan trees, nursery stock. But again, they all seemed like they were going to really require full-time operation. One morning, my brother-in-law, Rose Lane's brother, said, you know, if you guys are not going to plant this 50-acre field down the way that we normally plant on a crop, you might consider just going ahead and planting uh, trees on it. And boy, a light bulb kind of went off in my head. (laughs) And the first thing I thought of, uh, Ashley, was the connection of of music and wood. You know, where does that marvelous thing that's given me a great career and so much joy come from? And of course, from the resource of wood, as do most musical instruments. Then the other aspect of it was this is long term. It's not so much day to day. It's good for the earth, uh, carbon sequestration. Uh, wildlife, et cetera, et cetera. So it really fit uh, a lot of the bills that I was looking to personally try to accomplish. The dominant tree uh, from Virginia down to East Texas throughout the eastern seaboard was longleaf pine. Uh, However, when those forests were cut and the products used and agriculture came into the picture, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it was found in early stages that longleaf was a really fickle tree to reestablish. It has a very long taproot. It has to be planted very carefully. So the loblolly pine became more in favor, and that's the dominant tree that we see, at least in the uh, pine species across the southeast now. Of course, let's don't forget the Appalachian areas where you had uh, the wonderful American chestnut tree that Mm -hmm. was lost to the blight. Uh, However, the good news there is the American Chestnut Foundation does a wonderful job in trying to uh, reestablish that tree and the the longleaf. I'd say about 20, 25 years ago, there began a effort through the Longleaf Alliance and through other uh, private landowners to say, well, let's see if we can bring the longleaf back. And so a lot, a lot of the nurseries did great work in uh, growing what we now call containerized longleaf. And that is, instead of having a bare root, 
there is soil around that root, and so it makes it easier to establish and easier to grow. And uh, we've engaged in that. I think we have about 350 acres of longleaf that we've been planting over the last 15 years or so. What a resume. Chuck Lavelle, keyboardist for the Rolling Stones, the Allman Brothers Band, so many other musical groups over his decades in music. He knows a lot about forestry, too. So I'm going to post that interview from last year on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page as a podcast. You can find the link right there. And Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Don't go away. Great calls for you, questions for you, very astute listeners. That's coming up. And the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. We'll be right back to WSB. Having fun on the show today. You're listening to 95.5 WSB and that weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You know the time. It's time to do this. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, time to get my little notes out here. Number one, sweet corn, squash, tomatoes, and other warm season vegetables can all be planted after the danger of frost. Now, usually we say tax day. That's around April 15th in most of the state. Folks in the mountains may wish to wait a week or two longer. And I'm just picking a random weather station in Alpharetta from the University of Georgia. There's not one like right in the heart of downtown Atlanta. But looking at that, the average last frost date has been as late as April 16th. That was back in 2014, so you can never be too careful. April 12th in 2012, in the last couple of years, it's ranged anywhere from the beginning of March to the middle of April, so you just have to be safe when thinking about your crops. Number two, as the soil temperature gets warmer, add summer annuals to the landscape. Be sure to amend the soil with rich organic matter as good drainage is essential for the survival of tender annuals. And, you know, it doesn't have to go in the ground either, folks. If you have some annuals that you would love to grow, they do great in window boxes, porch boxes, hanging baskets, and pots as well. And just to name a few, you got begonia, celosia, coleus, and geranium, so keep those in mind. And number three, as hostas begin to emerge, you're seeing that right now, and I spoke about this about a month ago, too, as they were just peeping up out of the ground. That's the right time to dig and divide them. If they've gotten too big, maybe overcrowded for the space, or they just need a location change, that is a great plant to share with some others if you are so inclined. Well, hey, I appreciate you being here listening to the show every Saturday morning, and I want you to visit the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Search that on Facebook. Give it a like. I think give it a follow now. They've changed some of the rules on Facebook. But um, try to keep you up to date on things going on around Metro Atlanta, whether it's garden clubs and other things you could be a part of, volunteer opportunities, and also two particular photo albums I'd want to turn your attention to. Weed of the Week, where I've kept up with posting a picture of a new weed, which that's never-ending, every Monday. Try to identify it for you and help you tackle it. And also Highway Horticulture. That's something I started doing with Walter Reeves back during the Lawn and Garden Show flowering things in the spring that you're seeing and you just may not know what that tree or what that plant is 
I help you identify it, spot it, and get to know a little bit about it. So I appreciate that. Stay tuned. At the bottom of the hour, my conversation with Troy Clymer from the Georgia Forestry Commission continues, and we'll hear from Pike Nursery. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Trees and Stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Hey guys, welcome back to Green and Growing. You know this time every Saturday morning we are blessed enough to be joined by Pike Nursery to share what's green, what's growing, what's flowering, what's appropriate for this time of year. And I myself bought one of these recently at the Pike Nursery in Town Lake. And I've got Jackson Grimsley, the assistant manager at the Roswell location here, to tell us all about dogwood trees. Hey, good morning, Jackson. Morning, Ashley. I really did. I went in, and it could not have been easier. I went past the greenhouse, like over to the right side of the store, and all the trees are so neatly organized outside. I went right to the flowering tree section, and I was specifically looking for a pink dogwood tree Found it, popped it in the ground, and I think it's doing pretty well. So these are probably a pretty popular tree for a lot of your customers. They are, especially right now because, you know, they've been in bloom for a couple weeks now. So they're very, very popular. It's it's a classic southern plant. You see them all over the landscape uh, in people's yards and, uh, you know, on the side of highways. So it's, it's a very popular item. And they can grow to be so large, and they do okay in full sun, but we're, you know, they're known to us as kind of an understory tree as well, right? They'll do okay with filtered sunlight. Exactly. In fact, you know, the house I grew up in, we had one, um, you know, under underneath the, the partial shade of an oak tree, and it did fantastic there. Yeah, as they bloom this time of year, like you mentioned, Jackson, um, they're very obvious in the woods where a lot of trees haven't fully leafed out yet. These white flowers or pink flowers really stand out in the woods. And if you're new to Georgia and you're not really familiar with what a dogwood looks like, the bloom is very flat. And at the end of each petal, there's like a little indention or whatever. So hard to miss dogwoods. Now tell us how folks can maybe make the choices between color. They mostly come in white or pink. Um, You know, there's a few, there's quite a few white varieties, Uh, Cherokee Princess, Cloud Nine, um, the Kusa is really popular as well. Um, and all of those do do very, very well here. And then for pink varieties, my particular favorite is the Cherokee Brave. It's a really deep, almost reddish pink, and they are absolutely gorgeous. They really stand out in the landscape. So when you go to pick one of these dogwood trees out, folks, as I said, they're kind of outside. They're listed under flowering trees, and you see them. And Jackson, we may buy one that, you know, for the time being, is only two or three feet high. So it seems like it's going to be a little tricky to make sure we plant that properly and I would recommend folks maybe have something to stake it up, you know, until it gets a little bit taller. But give us the recommendations, what we need, the best place, and how to plant these. They don't have really deep growing roots. It's mostly surface roots, and the the root system eventually can spread to, you know, a little bit wider than the canopy of the tree itself. So they do need a good bit of space, um, and you want to make sure that when you're planting them, you dig the hole about two to three times as wide as the container it's currently in. Um, and then amend the soil really well. Uh, the planting mix, Pike's planting mix, is a great uh, amendment to use. And that'll just help it make it a little easier for it to take root. 
and get it established. And mulch is not going to hurt either. Any new tree that you're still maybe thinking about planting and establishing, two to three inch layer of mulch. Try not to crowd it up around the trunk too much, though. Give that some space. Um, and do we need to fertilize or prune dogwoods, Jackson? Uh, you don't really need to prune, which is nice. Uh, no, um, you know, you can prune as needed in the winter um, as soon as it, as, it, as it drops. But fertilizing, it's a good idea to do a couple times a year, usually March. Uh, you know, March, uh, right when they're starting to leaf out, is a great time to fertilize. And then also, again, in the summer, just to give it a little nutrient kick during that hottest part of the year. So easy to maintain these guys and so rewarding this time of year. They look beautiful. Dogwood trees, of course, native to the south here. and We love them in Georgia. Um, well, Jackson, you all have a lot more folks pouring into all of the nurseries around Metro Atlanta, but I love that you're still offering, you know, online ordering. Tell folks how that works if they just go to pikenursery.com. If you go to pikenursery.com, you know, we've got a tab on there for online ordering, and you just select the store that you want to you wanna place that order with, and then um, there's going to be all sorts of options for different things you can pick. And if you don't see what you're looking for on there, you can leave a comment requesting a specific item, and that gets sent to the store, and then someone will contact you, and, and We'll get everything all pulled for you, and you can come pick it up curbside, or we can deliver it for you. Jackson, you are the man. That's a Saturday morning made easy right there. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and I know we'll catch up with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Now back to Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission. We do have very handy folks that listen to the show, and they construct things and build things themselves. And I'm thinking maybe some folks are headed to the big box stores to get some lumber. So I'm glad that Ed and Marietta called this morning, Ed, uh, with a question about lumber prices. Good morning. Well, I just happened to uh, be coming back from Home Depot and caught his (laughs) comments. And I'm wondering if we're planting 50% more trees than we're cutting every year. Why have lumber prices tripled in the last 12 months? In the beginning of 2020, a typical framing package to build an average size house, like 2,500 to 2,700 feet, would cost about $35,000. And that same package is over 100 now. Wow, it tripled. Yeah, that hurts the pocketbook for sure. So Ed noticing that, Troy, in the last 12 months, I'm just thinking, you know, how much did COVID and the coronavirus affect the you know supply chain, or is it a little more in-depth than that? It is complicated. I will say probably did start that issue. Mm-hmm. So with COVID, you know, we had massive shutdowns throughout, and the sawmills, they shut down as well. Yeah. When that occurred, you know, we sent everybody home, and people were looking around at their houses and seeing different jobs that need to be done. So they went ahead and started making purchases to fix their porches or or do home improvements, and uh, that put a real strain, uh, you know, because the mills were shut down. So the mills, they started cranking back up and getting getting going, but then with COVID, they couldn't, they can't, they, and they still can't run at full capacity. So mm-hmm. they're trying to run as safely as they can to protect their employees from COVID because if everybody got COVID at the mill, then they would have to shut the mill down, you know, for, you know, a week or two uh, to quarantine and then, you know, starting back, ramping back up. Uh, so that that's part of the stressors that you're seeing on on that part of it. Uh, this huge demand came in, um, and then the mills weren't able to run at capacity, and then they spent a lot of time catching up. And then uh, this winter, you've seen a lot of wet weather, yeah. uh, so that impacts the loggers that are providing the wood to the mills because they can they can only work 
in certain areas under the right conditions uh, to be able to haul. So, so you have a complex matter, and hopefully we're on the on the back end of COVID, and we can get back to normal. And uh, hopefully you'll start to see those those lumber prices coming back more into a normal range that we're used to seeing. And I mean, just one of the occupations that you know the weather so greatly impacts, right? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, like this year, you know, January is extremely wet. February, we've been extremely wet. And now we're just starting to dry out. Uh, loggers have had to pick and choose where they could work. You know, they try to set up in, in the proper places. Uh, you know, during real wet times, you know, you can work in sandier conditions. So, you know, they're looking for those sites to where they can they can actually haul that lumber, uh, all haul that timber out to the mills. And, and so those are those are some of the challenges we face, you know, and we work with loggers. Uh, to perform best management practices so that we are sustainably managing our forest. And uh, best management practices, that deals with soil in the water because we want to keep the water clean and keep our soils where they're at and stabilized. Uh, and so anytime you, you put a stressor such as the weather on, on that, uh, uh, it, it, it just takes more time and effort to be able to bounce back from properly. It, right? Yeah, properly provide the meals with what they need. Yeah, such a ripple effect. Ed, that's a great, great question. I'm really glad you called with it. So um, insightful, you know, and, and a very good answer, Troy, as well. Well, Jonathan, up next, welcome to Green and Growing. Hey, good morning. I appreciate what the uh, Forestry Commission does, especially in the rural parts of the state. I had a couple of questions. Um, they're growing a lot of longleaf timber these days, and uh has there any been any discussion in the uh, forester community been about giving a premium for the quality of the timber that longleaf is compared to loblolly? That quality comes from from how you manage your stands, uh, from from the density in, in which you plant the trees when you first put them in the ground and when the, as they grow, and then uh, introducing prescribed fires into those stands throughout the years throughout its growth cycle. Um, so, so lo- uh, longleaf, um, it, it'll, it, it tends to grow more poles and, and poles are, uh, like your power poles, they're more valuable. So they're a longer rotation, but through that longer rotation, you're expected to get more value out of that timber. And like I said, it, it's a process. So if you do poor management at the beginning, at the end, you're going to have a poor quality product. So, so the landowner through your purchases, that gives that landowner the ability to do that management, you know, from paying his taxes on his property uh, to to implementing the prescribed burning to implementing um, herbicide applications is needed uh, to help him grow that, that timber into the product uh, that is most valuable while also providing a good habitat for wildlife, yeah. stabilizing the soil, keeping our water clean, purifying our air. So it all plays together, and it's more about the management of the stand throughout its its life than just throwing a tree in the ground and expecting it to grow up and create a pole uh, or, or a piece of salt timber. So that's me trying to simplify that sure. for you because that's a, that's a complicated question as well. And you just don't throw a tree in the ground and expect it to grow up and and hey, voila! I've got I've got a pole timber tree. It, it takes a lot more thought and a lot more planning, and uh, a lot more management right. to a stand to to create that. Well, Jonathan, Ed, great questions. I really appreciate y'all perking up and uh, calling in for Troy. Well, Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Your time has been invaluable this morning. Thank you. And uh, where can folks find you online, or how can they learn more if they want to kind of continue to educate themselves on all of this? 
go online to gatrees.org. On there, you can find all kinds of information about uh, Georgia's forest throughout the state, and you can also find contacts for local foresters in your area, uh, local contractors in your area, and local GFC foresters. So we can come out and meet with you and, and discuss your, your issues that you may have on your property to help you manage your land well and get you in touch with the resources you need to to accomplish those objectives. A wonderful resource. Yeah, thank you, Troy, so much for sticking with us a little longer than we had planned, but so much to talk about. We'll have you back. What would be a good time of year? We can probably get into the fall. You could could have you back. All right, I'm my own producer, so I'm going to make that happen. Troy (laughs) Troy Clymer, thank you so much. It was really good to talk to you this morning. Yes, ma'am, Ms. Ashley, I appreciate you. I hope you all have a great day. Now, when we come back to wrap up the show... A little talk about a big golf tournament going on out east. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. The update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. And I think I know what you're wondering. How is the weather going to be in Augusta? Yes, we're in the middle of Masters weekend. Play, of course, started on Thursday out there at Augusta National. And first of all, my thanks to Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission on this hour with some great information. And I'm back with Clint Waltz, turf grass specialist from the University of Georgia, and Mary Kay Woodworth, executive director of the Georgia Urban Ag Council. And Clint, let me start with you. Boy, Masters weekend is kind of a big deal. (laughs) It's when the world comes to Georgia, that's for sure. And uh, as always, the membership at Augusta National has put on a, a great show and, and tremendous help with a beautiful piece of property down there, just showing what our professionals in the industry uh, can do and, and can help facilitate. So beautiful place, beautiful uh, tournament. Everybody enjoy it. Well, and it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we watched the Masters last fall for 2020, you know, with the shift around due to COVID and everything. But typically for April play, when does that prep start? Well, it's kind of year round, but they really get kicked in gear somewhere uh, in January, probably even a little bit of starting in, in December. Those guys really start getting prepped for it. It's not something other that just happens overnight. They, they put a lot of work and effort into it, and there's a lot to be said for and commend the grounds crew at, at, at the Augusta National for, for getting the golf course ready for the world. And you know, we have many of our Georgia Urban Ag Council members do work at, at Augusta National with, between the trees and the, the landscape and the maintenance, and uh, they're just top-notch professionals. So if, if your landscaper is not a member of Georgia Urban Ag Council, ask them why not. And if you're looking for a professional, make sure you come to our website and peruse our database. Great information. Well, guys, any particular golfers y'all are rooting for or just you enjoy watching it? I'm a fan of the golf course. Uh, <laughs> I, I like seeing the golf course win. So uh, <laughs> that's that, that's just the turf guy in me. I love them all. Uh, I would love to see Dustin Johnson do it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love watching all these young guys up and coming in their 30s. You know, they're competitive, but they all play really well together yeah. and, of course, make the tour around with one another. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to root for just one. They're all so talented. Again, I appreciate both of you being such a part of the show, and I'm ready to have you back next time, already thinking ahead. So Mary Kay and Clint, I'll be in touch. 
Sounds good. Thank you, Ashley. Well, happy spring. Thanks, Ashley. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Clint. Same here, Mary Kay. Did you miss Clint and Mary Kay on with me in the first hour of the show? Any parts that you want to listen back to, please, this weekend, visit WSBRadio.com, click on On Demand, or look for Green and Growing on Spotify and Google Play. Have a great Masters weekend, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.